0: birds not walking through
1: that door we're talking about practice not a game not a game not a game we're talking about practice
0: it's my
1: team it's my quarterback okay.
0: it is...
1: beat the man you gotta beat the man the one. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Powers on Sports Podcast. It's the Fourth of July, weekend edition podcast. Hope everybody is going to have a great 4th of July weekend. Hopefully you get to enjoy a little R&R. Don't have to work too hard and all that good stuff. Got plenty of stuff to talk about this week. We're going to bring on Peter Blake just in a few minutes. Peter's going to talk. Peter's the host of the Sports Web. He's gonna. We're going to talk all things Stanley Cup Finals. We're going to talk baseball, foreign substances. We're going to talk... NFL is Aaron Rodgers possibly going to opt out. We're going to talk who was the mystery team for Tom Brady's comments on LeBron James's show, The Barbershop, and all that good stuff. So hang around for Peter. He's going to be up in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to talk. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the Euros, European Championship Soccer Tournament, as well as the NBA conference finals. We have one of the two teams has punched their ticket to the NBA Finals. The Phoenix Suns will make their first NBA Finals appearance since 1993. Circa Sir Charles Barkley and company. When they made the Finals up against the Bulls, the Phoenix Suns disposed of the LA Clippers in six games. Chris Paul with a tremendous Game 6 clincher in Los Angeles in Staples Center, his former home. 41 points, just a tremendous effort, and just the Clippers ran out of steam. Paul George came up a little short yesterday in Game Six. Uh, just not enough offense with no Kawhi Leonard and company, no Zubac, uh, and no Serge Ibaka. So the Phoenix Suns will meet the winner of the Atlanta Hawks, Milwaukee Bucks Eastern Conference Final. The Bucks and Hawks are tied at, at two games apiece. Entry going into Game Five, both Giannis and Trey Young are out. Their statuses for Game Six are unknown. Giannis, with his hyperextended knee from Game Four, was pretty, pretty uh, ugly looking. We'll be curious to see if he can make it back for a Game Six. I doubt it. I would think his earliest availability would be a Game Seven scenario. Uh, Trey Young probably is a little closer to playing in Game Six than Giannis is. He has a bone bruise due to a twisted ankle, stepping on an official's foot, following through on a jump shot. So, lots of entry here with the major stars for both teams out injured. Game 5 is in Milwaukee. They are uh, will be very easy I expect a big effort out of the Bucks at home with no Giannis in Game 5. Typically, that first game after a superstar is out, the role players step up and play a little bit better. So I anticipate the Bucs to win a Game 5 in Milwaukee. If there's no Giannis in Game 6, I fully would expect the Hawks to come back and win a Game 6 in Atlanta to set up a Game 7 showdown. You're going to see game, uh, the NBA Finals. We'll, again, I think the Suns will be the favorite in either scenario. Again, a well-balanced team in Phoenix. Monty Williams, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. you got Aiton in the middle. Uh, I think Milwaukee would be the best matchup for Phoenix from a TV perspective. But who knows, again, what the status of Giannis is going to be as well as Trey Young. But I definitely anticipate it being a seven-game series in the East. Give a shout-out to Marv Albert on his final series before retirement. Marv's had an unbelievable career working for NBC back in the 90s, calling all the famous Jordan games. His days back with MSG calling the Knicks games all the way back into the late '60s, early '70s. Marv's been a uh, legend, icon in the sports broadcasting world. Uh, so good for Marv Albert on his retirement. Congratulations! Um, what a career! What a what a inspiration to so many people in the broadcasting world with his famous "Yes, and it counts" calls, among others. Um, you know, Marv had had his had his issues back in the '90s, 2000s. Uh, a little scandal he had, but again, as a broadcaster, second to none, and uh, he'll be sorely missed in the world of broadcasting. So, let's transition to the European Championships. We are down to the quarterfinal stage. Those quarterfinal matches will begin Friday. You have a uh, you had a great round of sixteen set of matches. Especially the matches that were on Monday afternoon. You had a 5-3 Thriller, Spain uh, advances. Then you had a 2-0 England beating Germany to get the monkey off that back a little bit. Then you had a uh, 3-3 Switzerland-France that went to penalty kicks. And went all the way down to the 10th penalty kick. Uh, The 10th kicker Mbappe for France got stoned by the Swiss goalkeeper in the Swiss advance. In a big upset over France to the round of eight, the French team eliminated, the Germans eliminated, um, you know Portugal eliminated with Ronaldo. So you're gonna have you're gonna have a uh, some upstarts, a tremendous quarterfinal matchup Friday, Belgium Italy. You'll have England and the Ukraine. You'll have uh, you have you have the, the 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 drama of Denmark following the collapse of Christian Eriksen. You've got Sweden involved. You got the Czech Republic. Involved, so some big matchups. England is the heavy favorite on one side of the bracket, and I think the winner of the Belgium-Italy match will get to the final on the other side. That Belgium-Italy match could very easily be a world, uh, be a European Championship final. Kevin De Bruyne's status is a little unclear, as uh, as well as Hazard for Belgium. The Italians have been one of the surprises of this tournament with their offensive ability. Uh, you know, you got Spain who's been scoring at will the last couple of matches. A little leaky in the back, but Spain uh, will be a uh, tough out for the European Championship. So I know not a lot of soccer fans out there, but again, if you want to watch some great soccer, some great football, the European Championships this weekend is a great avenue. Again, 4th of July weekend. The final is going to be on the 11th of July in Wembley. Both the semifinals and finals will be in Wembley, uh, which gives, obviously, England a, a, a massive advantage if they were to get to the semifinal. Uh, with the home crowd, you're, I think you're looking at around 60,000 that could be uh, in attendance in Wembley for the semifinals and the finals. So ESPN will be the home for the Euros, so definitely an ABC as well. So definitely check out the Euros. Some great drama coming up here in the quarterfinal, semifinal, and final rounds and obviously, you have Wimbledon underway in London as well. So that'll be a dramatic Sunday in London. You have the Wimbledon final in the in the in the morning, and then you'll have the uh, European Championship final at Wembley in the late afternoon early evening. And again, Wimbledon. You've got a lot of the big names have, have bowed out. Serena's out. No, no, uh, no. Uh, Nadal. You still have Djokovic. You still have Federer. But on the women's side, it's wide open. Don't be surprised to see a, a, a player like Coco Goff make a deep run. The American uh, as well. So lots of good stuff going on outside of just the four big sports. And we're like I said, we're going to get to Peter here in just a minute to talk all things Stanley Cup. We're going to talk NBA, uh, some NFL topics. And we're also going to talk the baseball foreign substances. The issues with should guys be suspended? Should they be allowed to use the foreign substances? Josh Donaldson with some harsh words towards Lucas Giolito, but you'll hear all about that when we get to Peter Blake here in just a minute. So thanks for listening to the powers on sports podcast. Check us out on Twitter at J sports with some comments and we'll be right back in just a minute with Peter Blake, host of the sports web. Thanks for tuning into the powers on sports podcast. We really appreciate it. Remember to subscribe, rate and review before we get back to the episode, want to mention Titan Home Lending. If you have any home financing needs in the state of Florida, reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. I can help you with a home purchase, with a refinance, with a cash-out refinance, with a renovation loan, a VA loan, FHA loan, conventional loan, and virtually anything in between relative to home financing. So reach out to me at Titan Home Lending 205-790-1404. Or you can reach me on email at JPowers at TitanHL.com. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports. Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa. We are very pleased to bring on Peter Blake, a, his second appearance on the podcast. Peter's the host of the Sports Web on the I Love St. Pete platform as well as the Notoriety Sports Network. Peter's based out of here out of the Tampa Bay area as well as, as, well as I am. We are going to hit on the Game 2 Stanley Cup playoffs have just concluded here in Tampa. The Bolts take a 2-0 lead over the Canadians. We're going to hit on the – we're going to break down Games 1 and Games 2 of, the, of that series. We're going to hit a couple of NFL topics. A-Rod. Could he possibly opt out on July the 2nd and not play at all? Who was the mystery team with Tom Brady? I know Peter, who is a Buck insider, will give me some strong thoughts on that. We're also going to talk about, I'm going to get Peter's opinion on the baseball foreign substances topic. What does he think of that whole thing? Should there be any rules or should it be
0: the wild, wild west for the pitchers and the batters? So, Peter, welcome back to the podcast, man. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? We're down here, of course, in Champa Bay, just enjoying this uh, Lightning Stanley Cup final game two, which was uh, pretty much amazing at this point. Game one was pretty good. Uh, This one a little bit closer and uh, Montreal, you have to say they gave their best effort and still came up short.
1: No, Montreal definitely took the play to the lightning tonight. I think if most analysts would probably say Montreal had a little bit, a little bit better of the play throughout the game, but again, timely scoring what a goal by Blake Coleman at the end of the second period under two seconds to go in the second on kind of a diving. What a, what a goal. I mean, what a diving play, what an effort by the Blake Coleman and that, in that Yanni Gord line, your thought, just your thoughts about just that, that, What a momentum killer for the Canadians heading into the second intermission.
0: Really a deflating goal because you're almost out of the second period. Our Barclay uh, Goodrell makes a great pass. And if you watch the replay on it, Coleman is diving and they're talking about it. Like he's in the Olympics or something, just great effort by both of those players to end the second period, because you have to look at it. There's a difference between one and one and two and one. And when you go up two to one and this, is the canadians best effort and basically you go into you know the second period leading into the third period and you're down a goal and you've outshot the lightning and you're still losing you're still giving your best effort and you're still not winning this game and it's going to be tough for the canadians to come back down 2-0 after they gave their best effort tonight and still came up short let's just put it out there let's just start it off right i mean you can get outshot But when you have the greatest goalie in the world and Andre Vasilevsky, and and of course, you know, they didn't recognize him yesterday with the Vesna trophy, which is really disappointing. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not about the Vesna; It's about the Stanley cup. And the rings baby two wins away from repeating that has not happened since the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2016, 2017. So an amazing effort by Andre Vasilevsky tonight, 42 saves, just, you know, peppered with shots in those first couple periods by the Canadians, but he was able to stand tall. And I think the Lightning got better in that third period. But still, if you don't have a Vasileski in this game, most likely you don't have a chance. Mm-hmm. But when you have the best goalie in the world, you always got a chance. And shame on the NHL and <laughs> anybody who voted against Vasileski not being the best goalie in the NHL right now.
1: You think a little motivation went into tonight's game when Marc-Andre Fleury gets named the Vezina Trophy winner as the top goaltender for the year. No doubt about Vasilevsky. Had a little chip on his shoulder, I'm sure. And like you said, great point. If you go, if you watch that, first, that second period especially, it very easily could have been three or four goals for Montreal in that second period. Vasilevsky was huge. Even though the one goal he did let in, you know, he'd probably want back, but, you know, what a performance through two games. Andre Vasilevsky, you probably have the two best goaltenders in the world in Kerry Price and uh, Vasilevsky. And Vasilevsky is just proving once again that I think shot for shot, he's the best goalie in the world.
0: Really, and I, I feel like this is like the passing of the torch because all the talk was on Carey Price. And, and again, as it should be, because he's going to be a Hall of Fame goaler and, goalie, Excuse me, and he's never been – in the Stanley Cup final before, but you know, Vasilevsky clearly is the best goalie out there, and the Canadians gave everything they had tonight with the Suzuki line, and of course, uh, Tofali really getting some shots, but not being able to put the biscuit in the basket because Vasilevsky is so good at tracking the puck, and I think if we go back to one of our mutual friends in the Leo Haggerty, who's a legend in himself, uh, former coach Scott and now media member of Night Sports Productions, It's Sports Mag, he said the series is over now because of that decision by the NHL, because Vasilevsky is going to be extra motivated. And it certainly seemed like he was tonight.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm with you. I definitely think it's going to be a, how many games is it going to be for the lightning, whether it's going to be five or six, four or five, or maybe potentially six games. I just think Montreal is going to struggle offensively. That's their biggest flaw. They, they need to win games two to one against the Lightning. They, the, they're going to play they're going to have to play a defensive style try to get two two goals and hope hope Carey Price can stand on his head up in Montreal to somehow get this series back to 2-2 I just don't think there's any way that the Lightning don't at least get one of the two games up in Montreal
0: yeah and this team you'll be without uh, Alex Kalorn tonight Tyler Johnson stepping up Anthony Sorelli stepping up of course Johnson being on the second line with Stamkos and he was even talking about it on the post game show. He feels like this was the worst game the Lightning have played in the playoffs and he's a winner. They won the game and he's still saying this is the worst game this team played and even with all that being said at the end of the day, the Lightning still come out on top 2-0 uh to take that lead and I don't know if you know these statistics but 90% of the time when a team goes up sure. 2-0, they basically win the series. So, we'll see what happens. We'll see the kind of response, but It is definitely going to be tough sledding for this Montreal team, even though they're going back home, only 3,000 fans, basically, and you have to replicate that effort again. It's going to be tough.
1: It is. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the one thing Montreal does have in their favor, their head coach will be back for game three. He's been in COVID protocol for about the last 12, 14 days. So they've been been kind of having to rely on one of their assistant coaches, Luke Richardson, to be the head coach. That'll probably give them a little jolt of energy, but – To your point, only 3,500 people at the Montreal Forum. That's going to be, as compared to now, tonight was the first night in Tampa that they could have full capacity, a full 18,000 at Amelie Arena. Just the emotions of the crowd is worth something in hockey, especially in the the Stanley Cup final.
0: Yeah, and all we heard, Jason, from some fans is how it was quiet and Leo Haggerty and even our old friend TJ Reeves said he didn't get his hearing back. It was so loud there. Uh, during this postseason. So I don't know what some of these fans are talking about. I, I think maybe they're deaf or maybe they're watching the TV too much and, and the microphone's not necessarily picking up the noise. But from what I've heard, it's been very, very loud there. It seems like it's very loud. And it seems like all these fans right now are very engaged in this Stanley Cup run by the Tampa Bay Lightning.
1: Last point on the on the, on the the hockey, and we'll, and we'll move on to, to just a couple NFL topics. One thing that I'm really impressed with the Lightning, especially in these last two series versus the islanders and now the canadians the physical presence that the lightning have shown both of these teams the islanders and the canadians want to kind of be rough and tough and a lot of hits a lot of activity a lot of physicality the lightning have stood toe to toe with those teams not afraid to play the gritty gutty two to one kind of game defensively they've been very solid in the back with the defensemen and the, and the, and the forwards just your thoughts on the on the Lightning's, Defensive efforts in these last couple of series?
0: I don't think they get enough credit. I really don't, Jason. I mean, I feel like this team can do, can win in a multitude of ways. I've always said that Leo word uh, because look, they can definitely win five to one like they did in game one, or they can win three to one where uh, basically you see a lot of blocked shots. We saw it going back to game seven with the New York Islanders, how much defense, how much they wanted. It all comes down to effort. And even though a team outshoots you, If you're blocking those shots, if you're being as physical as this Lightning team has been the last uh, couple games here, you could definitely win. You could definitely win, and and they can win in so many ways, and that's why they're so tough because they roll so many lines at you. you First, second, third, fourth line, all those guys are semi-talented. We saw tonight Kucherov, Stamkos, non-factors, it didn't matter because you got a guy like Blake Coleman and Anthony Sorelli and, of course, a Palat on a critical turnover at a critical time where a plot makes you pay.
1: And, and and the one part, everybody thinks about the lightning. And they think power play, our power play is the best power play in hockey. But if you go back to game seven Islanders, they win the first ever game in the NA in the history of game sevens in the NHL that end one, nothing on a shorthanded goal. That Yanni Gord shorthanded goal. They, 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 their penalty kill has been great. Obviously having Vasilevsky between the pipes really helps, but they're, just their their communication and their chemistry on the pout on the penalty kill has been something to be very very impressive with. And again, won in that game seven against the Islanders.
0: Yeah, very underrated. A lot of people were saying, well, you know, the penalty kill of the Canadians is going to give them a problem, and it has. But it hasn't been the biggest impact of this series. The biggest impact of the series, of course, has been Bazzi. And once again, if you have a goaltender that's basically standing on his head, he's going to give your team the best chance to win. All right,
1: listen to the Powers on Sports podcast with Peter Blake, host of the Sports Web, Notoriety Sports Network, I Love St. Pete Facebook platform. Check him out. He's, tell, tell the audience when you got some shows coming up. I know you you do a show, pretty, couple, at least a couple shows a week. I know the during the Stanley Cup finals, you're doing a show virtually every night. Give the audience a little, little, little taste of where they can find us.
0: Yeah, it's usually the, uh, it's on Monday and Friday nights, but we've kind of changed it up this week, done some pregame shows with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, kind of promoting them and trying to get a lot of fans ready, but it's the evolution of Sports Talk Television. What's the difference? Is it a TV show? Is it a radio show? It's both. You can text in, you can call in, usually, like I said, on Monday and Friday nights, but you just have to tune in on the Notoriety Sports Network, and of course, I love St. Pete on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, multiple platforms out there. To Absolutely.
1: Check. You can be anywhere in the world. If you're a Lightning fan, Bucks fan, Peter talks all things Tampa Bay sports. That's a great job. Gets a lot of variety of guests from the football world,
0: hockey world.
1: I'm even a bit of fortunate. He's, he's even willing to trust my opinion a little bit every once in a while, too, to get on there and run my mouth.
0: Absolutely. We call you the power man. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We definitely have him on the sports web and we'll definitely see you again my friend
1: awesome all right let's transition to a little nfl action this is kind of the dead period of the nfl season Mini camps are over training camps are about a month away let's talk a couple topics coming up that we we, we've seen let's first start with our tampa bay buccaneers our our beloved quarterback our hall of famer mr brady was up on the lebron james's hbo show the barber shop the other the shop the other night last week he had an interesting quote came out of his mouth about them MFers didn't want to sign me. What team was he talking about, Peter? Who was who was terrific Tom talking about? Was it the Bears? Was it the 49ers? Was it the Raiders? You tell me, who do you think Tom Brady was talking
0: about, that MFer? Well, originally I thought it was the San Francisco 49ers, but then he says, follow up, uh, he would have never went to that team. Everybody knows that he wanted to play for the San Francisco 49ers, so I think it kind of rules them out although it would be interesting to see him call Jimmy G out because of the friction that was right. created in New England with Bill Belichick. Of course, if you don't know the story, Belichick wanted to keep Garoppolo, uh, the owner, uh, Robert's, um, God, he just escapes my uh, escapes my uh, my train of thought there. The Bob owner, Kraft. Yeah, Bob Robert Kraft. Yeah, Kraft, Robert Kraft. And, of course, Tom Brady caught wind of it. And that's when the friction started between a Brady and a Belichick and Garoppolo was traded to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think it's them. I don't think it's the Chicago bears. I think there was some interest there simply because they have a top notch defense and on top of it, he was going to be close to his son. I think it was the Las Vegas Raiders and John Gruden telling basically Tom Brady who beat you in that tough game, (laughs) not for that, Basically, Gruden doesn't end up in Tampa and he tells the greatest quarterback of all time. We're going to stick with Derek Carr over you. I think that's what it was. I don't think there was any chance of Brady going there besides the fact of the intrigue of maybe playing with the Gruden right. as his coach and also uh, playing in Las Vegas. Besides that, I don't think he was going to go there. So I definitely believe he was providing shade to the Raiders. And I think it's interesting. You know, here's my question for you. Do you appreciate the honesty? Because we've kind of seen, you know, a different side of Tom Brady ever since he joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, Jason, do you enjoy that?
1: I do actually. I mean, I think again, Brady also had some comments in that in that in that interview saying, "I'm always I'm 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 always going to tell the media what I think they want to hear, not necessarily what I believe." But I do like it when he gets in these forums and he does some some of these honest. You know, you saw him in the Super Bowl. He was on a Zoom call during the Super Bowl, killing Shannon Sharp for killing him. You know, I love Brady. To me, Brady's so much just a one-of-the-guys kind of guy in the locker room. I guarantee you that's some of the same kind of chatter that he has in these Buccaneer locker room. He's probably had it in the Patriots locker room for his 20 years there. He's just one of the guys. And he, he to me, he just blends in so well in the locker room.
0: He has that unique ability, right? He has that competitive fire that you look for in a Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's the same way. He's trying to create something, have a chip on his shoulder, whether it's created or you made it up. It's the same thing with Tom Brady. And you look at those statistics last year, threw for four touchdowns, 127 rating versus the Raiders. Aha, we know why. Because basically he was told, we're going to go with Derek Carr. Okay, <laughs> all right. Tom Brady's going to give it to you and he's going to give you that smoke. And he definitely gave it to the Raiders last year. I got
1: you. All right. Last topic with another quarter. Let's transition to the, to the other diva quarter, but Brady's not a diva to the number one diva in the league at quarterback one, Aaron Rodgers. a interesting deadline is approaching July 2nd. Anybody in the league that wants to opt out for 2021 due to COVID issues or concerns, that is the drop dead deadline. If you don't do it by July 2nd, you cannot, you know, implement that option. And what the NFL is willing to do is they're willing to pay you a, I think it's 300000 or three fifty stipend if you chose to opt out July by July 2nd. But once you opt out, you're out. There's no coming back to the league in 2021. Is there any chance in the world, in your opinion, that Aaron Rodgers opts out to screw the
0: Green Bay Packers? Why not? I mean, honestly, at this point, if he really, truly wants to screw the Green Bay Packers, he can do it. And check check this out. And this is according to ProFootballTalk.com. If Rodgers does opt out by July 2nd, he will not forfeit his $11.5 million, yep. uh, uh, salary there. Plus, he gets $6.8 million in, uh for the roster. So basically, it works out to about $18.3 million that he's not going to forfeit if he basically decides, you know what? I'm going to opt out. I'm not going to play for the Packers. I'm not going to play a game this season. I'm going to have a good time with my Hollywood starlet wife, uh, and I'm going to host Jeopardy. And you know what? The Packers, you can pound sand and try to, uh, you know what? Get the starting ability from Jordan Love, who, by the way, if he could start, why are the Packers taking so much time to trade it in Aaron Rodgers? If Rodgers doesn't want to be there, and I get it, you want to get value for him, but if he doesn't want to be there why is it taking so long for this organization to figure this out? You drafted Jordan Love a couple years ago. Go with Love. So, is there a possibility that, that Rodgers could absolutely opt out on July second? Absolutely, it's a possibility, especially if he doesn't want to play for this team. And, and there's been, you know, no, uh, you know, there's there's been no report. There's been nothing that's come out by Aaron Rodgers saying that he wants to play for this team. Now you have Devonte Adams possibly getting recruited by Derek Carr. You know, I think the most interesting thing, and I've said this before on this podcast, what if the Packers went to the Raiders, traded Rodgers to the Raiders, you had Derek Carr, Derek Carr joined the Green Bay Packers with Devontae Adams. You make both parties happy. And look, do the Packers take a step back to a certain degree, but you still get, you know, a pretty favorable quarterback if you favor a Carr over a love? And I think you would have to, right, Jason?
1: I do, but I don't think I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I don't think there's any chance in the world Aaron Rodgers opts out on July 2nd only because he then his name's out of the news. If he opts out July 2nd, he'll be in the news cycle for a few days after that. But he wants to be in. He wants to keep his name in the news cycle as we get closer to training camp during training camp because that puts more and more pressure on the Packers to back to your point of to do something. Remember. He's gonna Even though he's going to get fined, I think it's $50,000 a day of training camp that he misses. And that's not a Green Bay Packer deal. That's an NFL deal. Any player under contract that holds out a training camp, automatic 50K. I don't think the Packers can waive that money. That's money that's coming out of his pocket one way or the other. I just don't see there any way at this stage of Aaron Rodgers' career with Tom Brady right down the same conference, you still have an opportunity to win games. I don't think there's any way in the world – Aaron Rodgers gives up a one more year of his prime to just try to, you know, stick it to the green Bay Packers. He may not play for the green Bay Packers for a while. It may not be till week three or week four that he reports who knows, but I don't think there's any way that he opts out July 2nd.
0: But if he opts out, you're basically making my point for me because then you don't have to give up the $2 million for holding out. So you get still all your money. You can opt out. You can do whatever the hell you want to, which Rodgers has done in this offseason and really has not cared less about what the Packers have done or what uh, their ownership group is doing. Uh, so I don't find it out of the realm of possibility for this to happen. In fact, I think it would be great, not only for <laughs> me and you, because we would have something more to talk about, but then instead of talking about Rogers and the Packers, we'd be talking about Jordan Love and what he can do. Well. And, and uh, I would, I would be intrigued to see it. I don't know if it's going to happen either, but I tell you right now, if Rodgers wanted to save money and keep his money and then you would, you'll carry on this next year and basically make a statement to the Green Bay Packer organization, this is the way you would do it. I think, I think
1: the only, I think what, if the Green Bay Packers were to trade Aaron Rodgers, I think it would probably be week two or week three of the preseason when maybe Jordan Love has played really well, maybe there is an injury somewhere else in the league. Maybe Denver, maybe Las Vegas realize he's our one chance to get get to, to get where we want to go. I think if the Green Bay Packers trade him, it would be a week or so before the season begins to maximize, you know, the desperation of some of these other teams. Again, via injury, maybe by poor performance in the preseason. Who knows? But I don't think there's any way in the world Rodgers opts out and. And, again, I think he'll, I think ultimately he will report back to Green Bay. He'll be frustrated, pissed off. But I think for the, for the good of Devontae Adams, Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, those guys, I think you'll see him report. It may not be until the week of the first game for all I know, but I don't see well, there's any way that Aaron Rodgers sits out the entire year.
0: I tell you right now, if they tried to trade him in the preseason before you know the season started, that's a disadvantage to Rodgers because basically Rodgers has to come into a new offense where right. he and learns that. And, and what a move! What a petty move! But you know that would be consistent with the Packers because look, yeah. you know, I think Rodgers has a point in this. I think the Packers have a point in this. But if they did that, that would be so petty. And it would be so Packer like, right? That would be their way to stick it. That would be their way to
1: stick it to Aaron Rodgers. straight trade them a week before the season and basically put them behind the eight ball for two or three weeks, right. having to learn a new offense, moving all the things that go into, into a trade. So, all right. Last topic, and I'll get you out of here. Major League Baseball has implemented their new substance, foreign substance policy. Just your general thoughts. You think it was a good move to do it, kind of a mid season deal? And two, do you think it's good for the game that you that we're trying to more even things out between the batters and the hitters a little bit?
0: Oh, it's not. It's always been favored to the hitters and it goes in ebbs and flows, right? I mean, we had the steroid era where that basically, you know, uh, favored the hitters and nobody had a necessarily a problem with it until there were records that were being broken and yep. guys talking about it and you know, let's blame let's put it on blame on Jose Canseco and his book because everything he said basically got him blackballed but everything he said was uh, true. So I don't like it. Not in the middle of the season. I get it. Major League Baseball is trying to have offense. They see the averages coming down, but it's like, you know, to say pitchers have not been doing this for ages now, and now you're going to basically check them every other inning. You're stopping the flow of the game. It's just it's ridiculous at this point. Just let it go the way it is. I mean, if there's uh, cheating where you can see it and it's not even, you know, it, it's 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 so noticeable with some of the pitchers that are doing it. Okay, I can see that, but you're checking every pitcher, every inning, and you know Tyler Glass now even talked about this, the effect of it, where he was using you know sunscreen and it affected his uh, grip and it actually hurt him. He was blaming this rule on this. Are you willing? That's weak.
1: That's weak. Glass now, that's a weak. That's a weak excuse it, of your Glass now.
0: Is it? I mean, if pitchers are used to certain grips and certain substances they're using, I mean, yeah, they're being given an advantage, but it's like Leo Haggerty said to me the other night, you know, Major League Baseball, they kind of create this cheating themselves because it's been done. If you're not cheating, you're not winning. I get it. I look at steroids. I think that's completely a totally different story, but you've always had this type of thing going on. And now Major League Baseball, basically, instead of turning the other way and coughing, They want to do something about it. And then on top of it, yeah, pitchers getting hurt. You're stopping the flow of the game. And now the offense all of a sudden is coming back. I think it's kind of disappointing. But at the end of the day, you know, chicks dig the long ball, (laughs) right? I mean, that was the old saying back when the steroid era was going on. And then on top of it, you know, we want to see touchdowns. We don't want to see a defensive game. But at the end of the day, no matter if they're using substances or not, The team that has the best pitching in the defense more than likely is going to win the majority of their games. But I just think it's kind of disappointing. And then on top of it, to do it in the middle of the season, is just weird. One one thing I'll push
1: back on, allegedly MLB sent memos to all the teams in spring training saying, hey, knock it off, cut down. I mean, because I think the pitchers went way overboard how far to the extreme they took it. I think they were sent some memos in spring training, whether they disregarded it and didn't think major league baseball was serious, who knows, but you know, the, the pitcher's argument's been, well, it needs this, it gives me better control of the ball. So it's not, it doesn't turn into a missile where we're hitting guys in the head. Right. Not one guy's been hitting the head in the last two, and a half, two weeks since this has happened. So that argument to me is a little bit lame, There has been one guy suspended Hector Santiago from Seattle got caught with some residue and some, some stuff on his glove. He apparently is going to get suspended for 10 days. He claims it was just a mixture of the rosin, which they're allowed to use a rosin bag, but he did get caught with something in his glove. So he's going to be the first victim of this rule. It looks like, you know,
0: it's kind of ridiculous, though, because they were checking a Cubs pitcher who was coming out, and he was a infielder, and he's trying to pitch. I think it was Eric Sogard. Yes. It's a blowout, and they're checking him. Why are you checking him? It's a blowout. The game's over. Get and he's a here, second Cubs And he's fire. a second baseman. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you thinking? He's right. not a good pitcher. What are you trying to do? It's just asinine at this point.
1: And I, the one Bush League move that I did see in this whole situation was last week, Joe Girardi. Max Scherzer's pitching a gym against the Phillies, and Joe Girardi in the middle of an inning stops play and says he wants Max Scherzer checked in the middle of an inning. To me, that was pretty bush league of Joe Joe Girardi challenging the whole Washington National dugout to a fight right there at home plate. Come on, Joe.
0: Well, hey, look, that's desperation, and it's also a loophole in that rule that a lot of managers are going to take advantage of and once again it's going to stop the flow of the game it's going to yep. ruin the pitcher's timing it, there's there's so many bad things about this i get what major league baseball is trying to do but if you wanted to do it why not do it in the first of the season at the beginning of the season instead of now it's just major league baseball once again you know doing something completely off the wall and that's why you know, consequently, the NFL is America's game instead of Major League Baseball. Sorry, that's strong comments, but that's the way it you're is. You're right.
1: No, it's it's the truth. It's I mean, the truth. I mean, baseball has gone away from being a kid's game to a game of guys at our age, in our 40s and 50s. That's the main demographic in baseball instead of the 18-year-old kid or the 12-year-old kid that loves football now and loves the NBA and things like that. So you're right. They don't do a great job marketing their stars Shohei Otani, you don't see a whole lot about. Him. I mean, Mike Trout, you don't see enough of on TV, things like that. They do a lousy job marketing their stars in Major League Baseball. And, and Rob Manfred's not done a great job as commissioner in his tenure so far.
0: I agree. I absolutely agree with that.
1: All right, Peter, tell, tell the audience one more time where they can find you. Notoriety Sports Network. I love St. Pete platform. Check Peter out on the sports web. The host, tremendous host give a little give a little plug for yourself
0: that's the evolution of sports talk television you know we say three things on this show whether we're talking about the tampa bay buccaneers the tampa bay Lightning, the tampa bay rays around the nfl around the nba or major league baseball do three things for me jason on this podcast bring your passion bring your excitement just don't bring any nonsense i'm your host peter blake see you later
1: and by the way, just so you know, I did call the score dead on tonight, three to one, in my text messages to my friends pregame.
0: Well, where was my bet at? I mean, where was the money at? Where where was I, my text message who, from you to me to bet this on Vegas? Because Who, I said, I did, who said I
1: didn't make a wager on the Lightning tonight?
0: <laughs> well, you didn't include me in it. My air compressor and my Mustang just went out, so I need some money. So, no, somebody needs to give me some money. So, next time you're making a bet, <laughs> And, and, and our on and our buddy there TJ Reeves is out there in Vegas he's and, in Vegas right now what what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas so I hope my I hope our buddy there is making lots of money right now but I tell you right now once you got a bet like that you better text me. Hey, our- i've been on, I, i've been on a nice I've been on a
1: nice little run the last month or so on some bets so I actually had the under in the first period tonight under a goal and a half as well as having the lightning
0: for the game so I had a nice night tonight. I need to talk to you more and more. That's just sure.
1: <laughs> All right, Peter. Appreciate it, man. Great job. We'll see you next time on the podcast. I'll be joining your show here uh, later in the week. So have a great 4th of July. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, any big 4th of July plans?
0: Yes. To rest and relax. Nothing more, nothing less. And hopefully nobody fires off any fireworks because they'll wake up my dog, Alexander. That's about it.
1: Well, God bless America. That that ain't going to happen. My brother, the Uh, fireworks will be flowing on Sunday night.
0: (laughs) That they will. My dog will be going crazy about it.
1: All right, my brother, have a good week, man. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. And thanks for your, thanks for the input. All right. Appreciate you. Thanks again for listening to the powers on sports podcast.